Welcome to the Draft Doctors Podcast, your home of weekly draft content. Now here's Steve, Jono, Cam, and the Statesman. G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Draft Doctors. I'm your host Steve Fizz, just trying to wade through the shit of trade period. Uh, the the hot takes are out there, the information foofural is in overload. It's there's, there's just engagement farming, it's uh it's too much out there. There's fake trades, there's mega trades, there's there's actual trades now, thank Christ. Um Probably one of the more lackluster trade periods I, I can remember. Just absolute jobbers, jobbers changing clubs. <laughs> and, uh, our very own Craig Cameron from the Gold Coast Suns looks like he won a trade. So uh, I, I looked out the window and a pig flew flew past. So that's where we're at, people. But today we're going to try something a bit different. We're going to break down the the crap. We're going to have a look at. Each team's midfield, we'll try to do this a bit quickly if it's going to take forever. Um, we'll, we'll split it up into two shows, but I thought it'd be a fun thing to do. And before we start the rankings to, to break down how, uh, I'll be projecting things as we approach another off season and hence draft season. So I always think it makes sense to look at who was in there. Now we've got CBA data. Uh, we can actually work out who was winning the ball um, at what sort of clip. Um, so you can sort of work out a CBA win rate, which isn't perfect. I'll be the first to admit this is a, a terrible, well, I shouldn't say terrible, but it's like any information, you gotta you got to look at it through the right lens, okay? Like, you know, uh, people sort of look at CBAs and, you know, more CBAs don't equal f- more fantasy points. And, that's true, but like, let's, let's look at it through the correct lens, whereas more CBAs equals a higher floor. We know that. Um, so more, more, more points around the ball. So if you're winning center clearances, that doesn't mean you're starting in the center square, but it certainly means you're in and around and, and finding the ball. Like, you don't have to take a CBA to win a center clearance. You can win it from elsewhere. So some of these, Win rate, uh, win rates will be skewed towards wingers, um, forwards who push up, but we can, we can sort of have a look at who was doing what and how it was working out. If, if the show is terrible, that's fine. We won't do it next year, but I, I sort of thought it might be an interesting exercise to have a look and see what makes sense, um, and, and why and, and just look at some defensive things. Uh, I don't think winning a center clearance is going to make you average a hundred, uh, but I think if you're winning the ball in there, if you're having an impact, or conversely, maybe if you're not having an impact, um, then maybe you're not long for the midfield. Maybe the club will look to move you on. Uh, so we'll just have a quick look at each team. So we'll obviously start with the absolute piss bags of the AFL. The, the terrible team that they are with their terrible fans and terrible men. Just absolute crap city. Uh, the Adelaide Crows. So, we had Rory Laird and um, J- Jordan Dawson as the heavily attending Crows. Uh, Rory Laird over 500 CBAs for the year. Dawson with 468. Rory Laird wanted a pretty good clip, 14%. Uh, Jordan Dawson was probably one of the, the weaker operators, uh, I guess you'd say, who took a heap. Uh, obviously, it didn't affect his fantasy output, but the point, uh, the 8% uh, clearance, center clearance rate versus CBA 10 is pretty low. I will say going in his favor, um, he was the... The leading crow for pressure acts, which, like, he's, he's, he's okay, but at 22, I don't think that's, um, getting it done from a team perspective. They might look to add more pressure around the ball. Uh, not sure what they can do there at Adelaide. Then we move through the rest of their midfield. Rory Sloan had the third most, 
Uh, obviously, old man Sloan got another year. Don't know how. He still won the ball. A pretty good clip. Then it was Ben Keys, who we know came in and out, in and out, did did his roles, won at a good clip. We know what he does. We know his limitations as a player. Uh, Rochelle was next, and he, he's probably someone I'm I'm okay taking a flyer on. It was sort of a weird team, um, Adelaide, in that they went back to the next highest uh, attendant. And that's Matt Crouch, who who got uh, another contract despite fans wanting his head for a few years. Uh, but he won at the highest clip. He won 15% of all CBAs he attended. Uh, we know what he can do, but you know what he can't do. And, but then, and they used him at the end of the year. That was the thing. When they were right in the finals hunt, it was Matt Crouch season. Uh, the other player they went to there was Harry Schoenberg. Obviously, he suffered the Achilles uh, injury, and he looks set to miss, I mean, most of, if not all, uh of the next season. So I think there's certainly some opportunity there. I can't imagine they're going to want to run bulk Sloan. Uh, obviously, Schoenberg's 100, 100 CBAs are up for grabs. And, I, you know, I mean, how long is it going to take for things to go pear-shaped with a Matt Crouch? So I think you can, you know, Keyes should probably have forward status. Rochelle will have forward status. I certainly think um, having those guys with that, upside built into their their ranks is going to be a thing the player who ranked the highest for cba win rate at the the crows and you can see this is where it slightly skews a little bit is uh jake saligo he won at a 17 percent clip uh obviously coming off the wing there can't imagine he's going to move bulk inside uh, but he's certainly a quality player hard to get as a fantasy option with just the midfield status, so not not a look. He's a good player, um, better player than fantasy um, option. I'll, I'll put it that way. The other guy you might want to look at is Luke Pedler. Um, he actually wanted a pretty good clip. He is, I mean, if you think height matters, he's slightly taller than Rochelle. He didn't put up the same sort of fantasy scores when he got the opportunity, uh, but he did win at a slightly higher clip. Don't think either of them are especially are going to be especially known for their pressure around the ball. Um, yeah, certainly certainly not Pedler. But, you know, there, there's certainly some opportunity. And with so many of these guys likely having forward status the next season, uh, I think it, it's, it's a team that makes sense to have a piece of heading into 2024 with the forward status. You can pick them up as a late forward flyer. Maybe Keys doesn't go late. Um, but it seems a strange team. Seems a strange team. Like they were knocking on the door of finals. Seems like they could have made some noise. Uh, obviously, they got linked with Clayton Oliver. And you could see why they'd like him. Um, I mean, obviously, he's a stud player, but where he'd really fit into that team. So, like uh, a shot at Adelaide, but not sure who who to go to. I think... Rochelle makes makes sense, um, sort of maturing, but you know, keys. Here's what he is. On to Brisbane now. Brisbane had Lockie Neal, who led the league, was the only player with over 600 centre bounces attended, uh, and he won at a pretty nice 14 percent clip, which is really good. Dunks came in second. He didn't win much. Dunks, believe it or not, under 10 percent. So. He, he won a lot relative to the league, but uh, he was there for his pressure. Uh, led uh, was fourth in the league for pressure, pressure acts per game. So he, you know, obviously he's a start. He's not going anywhere. That's the role he plays. Um, then you had the Klug was next, uh, Will Ashcroft, and they were sort of in that 10% uh 8% for Ashcroft, so Ashcroft doing the knee is going to be bad news. Then your Bailey, Zorko, Lions, part-time options, uh, all sort of won 11, between 11 and 13%. So they could certainly win more clearances um, relative to how many they attend the Brisbane midfield. It's hard to see too much change. I guess Will Ashcroft being out, maybe Devin Robinson uh, gets a little bit of a look in. He certainly attended a few in the back half of the year, not enough to really uh, make me want to 
look at him, but you'd imagine it's just Lockie Neal, Josh Dunkley, Hume McCluggage. Uh, cert- Clug certainly got a, more, a bit more play th- uh, at the back half once. Um, Ashcroft was down, so I'd imagine that's who they're going to roll with heading into 2024. Obviously pretty pretty close to winning a premiership this year, so why would they change it? Um, yeah, when they've got superstars like Will Ashcroft coming through, hopefully he can get fit. On to Carlton. Obviously, Paddy Cripps was the main man in the middle, one at 13% uh, of his 480 attendances, so good player there. Next was George Hewitt, uh, surprisingly, and he wanted a paltry 7%. Uh, He's he's there for his defensive work, so winning the ball, obviously not his main focus. Uh, so you're going to see that with some of these players, and that's why it's kind of an imperfect thing to look at. But I'd, I'm not sure, <laughs> not sure where where his future lies. Um, pressure acts pretty low, but obviously there's more to it than that. We had. Adam Chera uh, off his breakout season. Wanted a pretty nice clip, attended a heap. It's hard to see him go. Uh, Sam Walsh, and, and Sam Walsh is a really interesting option. I, I'd say he's primed to head straight back to that midfield. He did, his his win rate was pretty low, I will say, uh, 7%, and that's, that's one of the lower rates you'll see. Um, but obviously, he, he mad pressure. Good player. We saw what his final series was like, so it's hard to see him leaving it. Uh, and then they had Kennedy, Doherty, Dow, and Ed Kerno in that one fifteen to one forty range. Paddy Dow actually won at the highest clip of, <laughs> of anyone who had over a hundred attendances. He won. He won at twenty percent and a clean twenty percent. He was the only player to do that. So he looks set to be a St Kilda Saint, and when we get to them you can see why so I think this team will have a really tight group next year health pending Um, Hewitt I think could probably be interchanged with a Kennedy I'm not sure about Doherty in their long term but uh, it certainly should be the Cripps, Chera and Walsh show in my opinion and that's how I'll be rating it uh, as we head into the next season uh, as we move over to Collingwood, uh, this is an interesting team. Interesting team. Uh, they had a heap of players run through there last year and this year. Pretty tight. Pretty tight. They had uh, six midfielders uh, who were noteworthy. Uh, everyone else was really low numbers. So these guys all hit over 200. You had Jordan Goey led the way, 448. Pendles basically with him, Tom Mitchell over 400, and then Nick Dacos at 249, Taylor Adams at 246, and Jack Crisp just over 200, and they were all in a really good range. Taylor Adams had slightly the best win rate at 15%. Jack Crisp was a piss poor 6%, uh, and everyone else was kind of in that 11, 12, 13 range. So Taylor Adams... Uh, if he leaves to go to Sydney, that is a bit of a hole. Maybe you'll see a uh, sort of a Finn McRae step in, or Nick Dacos get you know a full time role, which he's sort of had through the middle of the year. That's when he got injured. That's that's when Nick Dacos was playing. So he he looks set to make that full time move to the midfield. Uh, Jack Crisp conversely spent a bit more time in def- oh, out of the midfield, I should say. And we'll see how that goes, but I could certainly see a world where they um, bring in uh, someone from the seconds like a Finn McRae. It's interesting, though. They, they, um, yeah, just the contraction of their group. Uh, how much longer does Pendles have? Tom Mitchell, um, yeah, obviously made the news this week, so <laughs> we'll see what happens there, but. It was a super tight group. I can see someone coming in, but I don't think they're going to have any different status. Or There's nothing on this year's data to say that they should be. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll move over to Essendon. Again, 
two leading the way clearly. Zach Merritt, 458. One at 9% clip, which isn't under 10% really stands out. So um, that's where he was. Darcy Parrish, 420. And one at a really nice 15% clip. So you've got no doubts about these guys going forward. And then everyone else I'll mention was either was between 176 and 151. So that's Ben Hobbs. Jake Stringer, Will Settlefield, who obviously got injured, was uh, attending quite a lot per game, 62% per game. Uh, Dylan Shield, Jai Caldwell, and Archie Perkins. Perkins won. Perkins and Setterfield won at a low rate. Obviously, Setterfield there for some defensive options. Jake Stringer won at a really massive 19% clip. Obviously, there for his ball-winning ability. And you'd have to suspect they, you know, pending fitness. He always seems to... I remember he used to always take the first of every quarter and then sort of nothing thereafter. But he can win the ball uh, in traffic. He, he's just such a good player. But you can see why... Ben Hobbs is is someone to look at next year. Archie Perkins, well, I mean, one of those two are going to be good options and one of them is going to have forward status. So we'll see who it is. The pressure acts, Merritt Parrish, Setterfield Hobbs, Caldwell looks uh, set outside. So again, I think this Hobbs Hobbs is a nice option as a a deep midfield option. Stringy, it's hard to see him getting in there full time. Uh, we'll see what they do in free agency in the draft period, but there's certainly uh, some room for someone to step up. But we'll see who that is. On to Fremantle. Again, a really um, tight group at the top. You had Brayshaw, Sarong, and O'Meara. Um, Brayshaw, 498. Sarong, 487. Omira 315, uh, and they were all attending pretty high numbers. Brayshaw barely won the ball, uh, 8%. That's really low, obviously, from what we're talking about. Sarong, conversely, really high at 15%. Omira kind of average at 12. Then we look at uh, people are talking about Matt Johnson. He only won four from his 104 attendances. That's Obviously, going to be close to the worst in the league. Um, so, not sure what else to say about that. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Hayden Young moved through the midfield. He had 96. He won 9, so 9%, uh, which is obviously slightly under, but, uh, you know, you can get away with that, I think. Five still won at 14%. Aish, 10% of his 84. Sam Switkowski won at their highest rate. Pinch hitting for 66 attendances, one at 13 times, so just under 20%. And Erasmus only had 50 attendances, one six, so 12% there. So there's a bit, it's a team that has some questions. Uh, sorry, I just, I will say, I haven't done rucks for this, but Luke Jackson attended 279, one at 19 at a 7% clip, which just an FYI, if you were interested, um, Will Brody had the 78. I didn't have his win numbers there. Probably should have, um, given that's what he does and <laughs> you know, all that sort of thing. But he, he, so he had, he won total. Let's see if I can work it out off the top of my head. He won 13 off, uh, 78 attendances. So that's going to be a, that's going to be a high number. It's going to be a high rate. But he was obviously out of favour in the back half of the year. They went to Hayden Young heavily at the end of the year. Um, it's, yeah, it's an interesting team. I'm not convinced on... I'm not sure about that one long term. So we'll see with Fremantle. We'll see. They've got some, they got some questions over there. I'm glad I don't have to answer them. Um... Will Young stay in there? It's a good question. You score wherever he plays, though, so that's kind of the nice thing. Uh, as we move to our Gold Coast Suns, uh, it was Matty Rowe led the way, 5.17, Noah Anderson second at 4.46, and they both won at a good clip, uh, 12 and 14% respectively. Dave Swallow came in third, 
because uh, he played a lot. He won at 7%. Dave Swallow is not long for the midfield, is all I can say about that. Uh, he did play when Took Miller was injured, but it's just not going to happen long term. I'm not sure what his role will be because um, he's not fast. So I don't know. I don't know. Took Miller next, one at 11%. You'd have to expect he gets back through that midfield, maybe with a slight, slight more forward time, but we'll see. Flanders, our boy, at 111. 117, so led the team with a 15% clip. Fiorini, uh, got over 100 there, uh, so one at a 12% clip. And the Hump Daddy, uh, Bailey Humphrey and Alex Davies were 88 and 67, the only other notables through the midfield. And they all sort of won at the same, they both sort of won at the same rate of 9%. So you would absolutely expect Raul, Anderson, Miller and Flanders to be the the main guys through the midfield there, and I think you should draft accordingly. I expect Flanders to still have forward status, but time will tell. Um, although it was interesting, I was talking with Dossie the other night uh, about who's going to play in the back line for Gold Coast, and he he wouldn't be shocked if the magnets got thrown around because I was suggesting the team didn't have the the pace or the leg skills to move the ball off the half-back line, so we'll see. Although we love our guy, Joel Jeffrey, so time will tell there. On to the Cats, who everyone hates. Uh, man, what a fall from grace. Won that flag, lost the uh, leader field of Dangerfield. Obviously not up to snuff. Tommy Atkins led the team in CBAs just like we all thought he would. Uh, 467, wanted a 10% clip. I can't imagine that continues. Surely not. Surely not, I I don't believe it. It's um, that'd be strange. Surely, uh, did average did, number three in the league for pressure acts per game. So obviously that's what he does, and that's what he does well. Mark Blixarves came in next, one at an eleven percent clip, playing that plays some ruck, plays some midfield, can do it all. The great man. Dangerfield next, uh, 337, one at a 15% clip. The man still has that to his game. Tanner Brune, uh, attended a lot for the Cats, 262, in fact, one at a 7% clip. And it's kind of interesting with Brune, everyone, uh, sort of heard his name mentioned as a breakout. Really didn't get on the game, didn't get on the park, didn't win the ball, um, in the midfield. So we'll see. I mean, he, 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 he Got around the ground disposals, but um, we'll see what happens with him. We'll see what happens. Um, Maximus Holmes next, uh, although he really didn't get the look in in the second half. It was heavily skewed to the front, so Bruin's probably a better option than Holmes if you're looking for a late-round dart throw, in my opinion. Then Cam Guthrie obviously got injured. Parfit and O'Connor there and thereabouts, and but none of them did anything special. It's um, I'd expect Guthrie to get back in there. I'm not sure. Um, Jai Clark, can he get a look? Jack Bowes had a look. They they are in a lot of people through their rocks, rocks and all sorts. So I mean, if we, I mean Tom Atkins doesn't convince anyone, does he? Surely not. I'm not convinced. They should. I mean, they're clearly transitioning, but um, I don't know what's going on. These guys don't convince me. So Brune Brune looks to be a good shot, but he probably loses that forward status. I'd say definitely loses that forward status. Holmes probably out of the inside brigade. Dangerfield just doesn't win enough of the ball to be super fantasy relevant anymore. Blixarves. Ah, I mean, he's good when he plays. Uh, and then Clark, obviously, for your keepers. It's a really interesting team, man. Really hard to believe they won a premiership just, just over a year ago when you look at them now. My goodness. GWS. Speaking of teams who almost won premierships, they were, uh, they were there. They were there. So we had Tom Green and Steve Cornelio over 500, uh, this team just didn't win clearances at a big clip. So Tom Green, 11%. Cornelio, 9%. Tanner Brune, 
Josh Kelly, 335 next, one at 10%. Callan Ward, 9%. Uh, Finn Callahan attended 120 at 7%. Harry Perryman at 7% off his 89. Harry Rosen, I uh, thought he'd be interesting to look at. But the man who won all the clearances when he attended them was Toby Green, attended 111, 121, so 19% there. I'd expect Finn Callahan to really take a big step up this year and overtake Ward uh, for that midfield that inside midfield time. Although the greatest hair in the league is still getting it done. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and was just everywhere, especially in the set. He, he was out of the midfield at the start of the year and then really took took over. Um, Josh Kelly got a little bit less time at the end, uh, but he's still in there pretty heavily. Harry Perriman had a small stint in there with some big numbers, but then he got the shuffle. So it's hard to imagine they're going to, um, mix it up too much. Maybe O'Halloran gets some more time, but what they did this year was pretty successful. I find it hard to believe they want to change that, but I certainly have Callahan stepping up. Not that the numbers would suggest he should, but um, yeah, I love the guy. I reckon he's an absolute star. Next, we move on to the Hawks. Really super, super tight group with only four players clocking over. 100 CBAs, and they all got over 350. So it's Connor Nash, 436. John Newcomb, 423. James Warple, 423. Nash won at 11%. Newcomb, 14. Warple, 16. Uh, and Will Day was next, winning at 10% off his 365. Uh, a lot of people expecting Josh Ward to break out. Uh, 10 and 98, won 10%. Cam McKenzie, 79 for 7%. Uh, for 9%, sorry, I should say. So they really gave no indication that that should change, but it feels like Joshua should step up, right? <laughs> like it feels like it is the high pick. Um, they got schlacked all over the ground. He, he start, Ward started off getting a bit of time in there, uh, but it really dried up at the end of the year. Whether they were just wrapping him up in cotton wool or not, we don't know. Uh, I, I expect he should take a... I mean, it's, John Newcomb obviously had a great season. Connor Nash had a great season. James Warple had a great season, man. He... Um, who would have thought from the, the Warpedo just coming out of nowhere? So I... Uh, I think Ward takes a step up, but he'll probably just have midfield status, and I don't know that he's going to do enough to get in there. So I don't know that it's a team where it makes sense... I mean, if you wanted to take a forward status player and have a crack, like we thought Dylan Moore was going to be good this year and he was, he barely got a look in. So I'm not convinced. We'll see what their preseason looks like. That hopefully tells us a story. I'm never convinced on the Warpedo. Um, but maybe it's him. The pressure numbers were kind of average as well as a team. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, so relative to the amount they tended, they are pretty good, really. Well, I mean, Walpole's numbers are really solid in terms of winning clearances. On to Melbourne. We go. Um, so we had Viney lead the way, 458. Petrarca, 406. And then Oliver, who got injured at four at 328. And they all won at 12 and 13%. So uh, it's hard to see too much changing Although it's it's hard to maybe, you know, think this is great data um, when maybe the signs were that they wanted to use Petrarca a fraction more forward and then Oliver got injured. So we'll see. Uh, Tom Sparrow came in fourth with 271, won an 8% clip. Brayshaw wanted a 9% clip off his 226. Obviously some question marks maybe over him. James Jordan, future Swan, or soon to be Swan, 135, and then just sort of there after that. So again, super tight group. They didn't win at any alarmingly good clip, so <laughs> the two best ruckmen in the league maybe don't make that much of a difference um, in the middle, at the very least. It's hard to see too much changing. It doesn't seem like they have any stud kids coming through. Uh, certainly no high picks after their 
consistent high finishes over the last uh, few years. I expect them just to run it back, run it back, but they could certainly use some variation in the midfield. Um, a fraction more speed would probably help them, but um, obviously what they did was working and they just needed a better target up forward. We'll blame the forwards, always blame the forwards. Now, this is probably the worst team to try and project uh, for the next year, and that is North Melbourne. So Jai Simkin led the way, 328, but he only won at 7%, which is pretty piss poor. Um, I'm not convinced on Jai Simkin long-term in that midfield, despite the captaincy. Had a couple of injuries. So it wasn't his cleanest season. He did get injured a few times, so I should... um. Should give him a break on that. Then we had LDU, uh, 10 and 3, 14, 110%. Will Phillips, 290, 111%. Taron Thomas, uh, 200, 1 at 12. Hugh Greenwood, 163, 13. Cunnington, 141 at 14%. And Wardlaw, 108. Wardlaw's a fucking stud. Get on Wardlaw. It's all Wardlaw. Uh, 118, 1 at 11%. Will Powell, 104, 1 at 11%. Liam Shields, 108, 1 at 11%. Cam Zerhart, 97, 1 at 14%. They probably had a stud kid in the draft, but. So I, I, LDU, certainly his average attendance was clearly the highest, over 80%. He'll be a star for fantasy next year. Will Phillips per game was actually highest next, so. They like him, but they've got a lot of young talent. I'd, I'd expect um, Wardlaw to really push up next year with that full preseason. We'll see what this team does. I think there's a lot of question marks. I'm just not drafting Simkin unless it's just super late and he falls to me. Uh, I'd, I would expect this group to really tighten up as well. So I'd project it at LDU, uh, Wardlaw second, and then maybe Phillips Simkin... I don't I mean Thomas is a gun. I feel like he should be a bit more on the outside and pinch hit through the middle. We'll see. We'll see what this team does. I'm not convinced on Tommy Powell really just didn't get much play in the second half of the year. Liam Shields, his time was was really just when Cunnington was out and he got he got the go. So again, I'm not convinced on him. But uh I I'll project it. I don't love it, but it's you, you sort of have to do it, unfortunately. If if they landed Harley Reid, you'd probably pencil him in at about oh, somewhere in the 30 to 40% range, I think. Um, obviously, I could be way off there, but they're all talented kids. Uh, Port Adelaide, again, super tight group, similar to Hawthorne. Connor Rosie, 498, one at 8%. Zach Butters, 446, 1 at 11. This was a team that really didn't win any. There was no real high winners. Oh, sorry, Dan Houston won 15 but never attended a CBA, so that was a pretty good rate. Jason Horn francis 403, 1 at 12%. Wines, 360, 10%. Drew, 359, 1 at 9%. Travis Boak, 18% win rate from his 80. So that man knew how to find the ball in the middle. It's hard to see this changing too much, really, though. I mean, what? It, well, it just wouldn't, would it? It's hard to see Port. Yeah, Port Adelaide, funny team, man. Those kids are pretty good, but I suppose they're not really kids anymore, but they've got to find something from somewhere. We move on to Richmond. Uh, Tim Taranto led the way, 484, won 11%. Shy Bolton... Uh, one at eleven percent. Dion Prestia, one at nine percent. Uh, off his three twenty six. Jacob Hopper obviously had a battle of a year. He did attend on average sixty two percent per game, but only two eighty two for the year. Eleven percent. Cochin gone. So that's one hundred and sixty CBAs up for grabs. Uh, Dustin Martin one hundred one at sixteen percent. So he was still capable of winning the ball when he was in there. And then Short and Dow. Dow did win it a lot when he was in there, much like the other one. 16% win rate. Uh, so you'd have to think Torano, Hopper. Uh, we'll see what happens with Prestia. There was a few rumours about him going back to Queensland. Don't know about that. Shy Bolton does his thing. So Thompson-Dow got the play at the end of the season. Uh, will that continue? 
I know everyone always wants to ask, who is it? Jack Ross? Yeah, like six for the year. I, I mean, they're showing you their hand in a lot of ways, these guys. Like, um, Jaden Short, it really all dried up. It, it started, it went through the middle and then it just dried up. So I'm not projecting him for anything. Again, a bit of a team in flux, but they didn't, yeah. I don't know. Can you get around Richmond? I can't get around Richmond too much. Um, Toronto should be a super high pick off the board. And then no one of these guys really does much for me. We'll see. Uh, St Kilda. So, Brad Crouch, 447. Jack Steele, 402. Both won at 11%. So, Seb Ross was next at 236, 11%. Jack Sinclair was the big winner, 17%. But he attended 172. You can imagine he's winning a lot off the wings, etc. Then Jade Gresham, who is a bomber or going to be a bomber, 156, won at 9%. Hunter Clark, Christ knows where he's at, 13% wins off 152. Then Owens, Windhager with the worst rate of all of 85 CPAs winning one. I would have thought the fucking thing had just fall into your hands more than that. And then um, Philippou, um his win rate was 9% off a handful. Um, we'll put it that way. So you can see they could actually use another a, a centre-bounce midfielder. Like I, I think Paddy Dow's a good fit for this team. Um, get rid of Seb Ross, get rid of Gresham, um, Hunter Clark. I don't know what they're doing with there, but... It fits well. It really does fit well. Um, Zach Jones obviously got another another contract, but I'm not super sold on that either. I don't think Wintager will be through the midfield. So I think Paddy Dow makes a lot of sense for this team. You can think Philippou gets a bit more uh, a bit more of a go next year. I'd bump him up to sort of that 25% range. He can really absorb some of Gresham's. Um, and then see what he goes does going forward. So he's a player I could have a bit of interest in. They do take a lot of marks, uh, St Kilda, so I think it's a great team to have some interest in. Paddy Dow, certainly a late-round fly. I don't think that translates into 110 average, but it could be bench-worthy in a lot of leagues. Sydney, again, super interesting team. We are moving through this, people. Come on, we've got to get through this. I mean, we're almost up to 40 minutes. Fuck, got to keep going. Probably got to be the driest pot of all time. Really sorry about how that's going to sound. But uh, Luke Parker led the way, massive numbers, uh, 486, then Rowbottom, 370. Chad Warner, uh, 320. Goulden, 242. Uh, and they were all, all in that 10 to 12% win rate. So you can imagine uh, Tom Hickey, Brody Grundy, bit of an upgrade, Brody Grundy. <laughs> Turns it out to advantage. So it should be a bit of an uptick there. I found it really strange with Warner is his midfield numbers ticked down slightly over the year. I would have thought he was uh, a superstar mid. Callum Mills uh, was kind of in, out, in, out, in, out. I'm not convinced on Callum Mills. Uh, I know he's been great for fantasy, but they're trying to bring in um, like Taylor Adams, uh, Jordan, I don't know, man. They're losing defenders. Um, Sydney, I, I mean, and he's the shoulder injury. He shouldn't be in there at the start. So, uh, I, I, big fan of Chad Warner's. He was, um, coming into the season, he was like top 10 in Brownlow odds. So you got to love that. Um, Tom Papley had their highest win rate. Uh, obviously getting a small run through the midfield there, uh, 35% a game, which is really nice. Although it was, he really got a, Big numbers at the end of the year, like over 50% uh, through the last end and through the final. So, yeah, he's always been a nice little stream because he does get that play through the midfield. Uh, I'm not projecting him to, to go ham and, and all that sort of stuff, but I, I like Chad Warner. I, I, he should be good. Parker's obviously going to do his thing. Uh, Rowbottom... Robottom's numbers did tail off a little bit at the end of the season. So, uh, and they got Callum Mills back into the midfield. So it could be completely off base here with all that sort of thing. Um, so I'll probably just take the easy way and say Parker, 
Warner will be my top two. Uh, and then Robottom. We'll see what happens with Taylor Adams. But um, yeah, Mills might... Mills might be more in that 50% range, but he you could certainly see games where he had 80% and then games where he had 30% because he was, yeah, out of there. And then Goulden, so they might just be having a big rotation. We'll see who gets what status. Uh, if Goulden loses forward status, he's still going to be a high pick, but maybe he becomes less attractive to to drafters. We don't know. Uh, On to the Bulldogs. Bont. Attended 500, Liver 434, Trelaw 406, and then McRae all the way down at 212. So Bont and Liver were just clearance machines, 15 and 14%. Trelaw a little bit less at 9. Jack McRae 13%. Bailey Smith didn't get in there much, didn't win it much. Caleb Daniel didn't get in there as much, won it even less. Uh, I think this is a team where you can see some value. Uh, you could be hitting on one of these uh, kids to come through, whether it's Riley West. Um, looks a decent option. Toby McLean never really happened. Uh, again, they'll probably run a tight group because they're, they're gun players and that's where they play. Uh, McRae, I find it so strange that he's not playing pure midfield, but Bevo, who knows? Um, but yeah, I think... These other kids probably an interesting one to take a shot. We'll see who comes up with uh, DPP. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting, interesting little team. They feel feel like they underperform, but I kind of yeah. We'll see. We'll see with Western Bulldogs. They they certainly run a tight group. On to the biggest group in the league, and <laughs> that's the West Coast Eagles. <laughs> um, man, they had everyone run through there. Even the trainers. Uh, so Tim Kelly led the way, 513, won at 10%. They they really didn't win shit. Um, aside from Luke Shuey, good player. Uh, Dom Sheed attended 302, won at 8%. Ruben Jinby, 218, won at 6%. Elijah Hewitt, attended 141, won at 9%. Uh, O'Neill, uh, just not even worth writing about. Gaff, again, ditto. Petricelli, Duggan, and Yo all in that night on the ninety attendances, and all won at about twelve percent. Although Yo was at fifteen, so you'd have to imagine. I mean, if Yo's body can hold up, um, that's a good thing. But uh, Elijah Hewitt got a lot of play in there through the through the back half of the year, and I think they said that he shouldn't have been playing in there, but uh, he he has a couple of weapons, so. I would project Tim Kelly, Dom Sheed, uh, and then, yeah, it's it's kind of tough beyond that. You, you're going to look at the DPPs. Uh, Jimby is kind of interesting in the sense that he didn't win a lot of the ball. Uh, I know they were raving about his tackle numbers, but it wasn't sort of a sustainable way to build a fantasy score, so I'm not convinced on his fantasy prospects just yet. But we'll see. We'll see. I think Hewitt's worth having a pop at. Uh, Yo, well, you know what you're going to get. He's going to get injured. Um, so you live with it when you pick him. And then we'll see what happens. I mean, if they, um, if we look at the numbers, they, they went to Duggan at the end of the year. But I think we know at this point of Duggan's career what he is. It's not a slight on him. He's been a good player. Um. So if they end up going with the Harley Reid, uh, I think you could pencil him in as the third highest attending midfielder. Um, what that translates to for fantasy, I'm not sure, but that's how I'd read it. So I hope he goes there and not North Melbourne. Fuck, I don't want, <laughs> I want that to happen. I want, I want easy. I don't, I don't need a challenge, guys. Um, Anyway, onto the Twitter questions. If you've stuck it through to this, wow, power, power to you, man. I couldn't do it. Uh, Monty, how's the taper going? Well, I'm injured, Monty. Uh, race week this week, and I'm, I'm at the chiropractor tomorrow night, and if he can crunch my back and make it so I can move without pain, that'll, you know, maybe I'll roll down to Melbourne and uh, chug around in seven hours. Fork talk. Oh, I should mention, shout out to our man. What? Um, uh, is it Alex? Who... 
did the Perth Marathon. Well done. I'm breaking four hours. Good for you, man. Congratulations. Um, Fork Talk. Will it be Matt Crouch season given he dodged the Oliver Trade bullet last week? It looks like it. It. I don't want to pencil it in because he's not someone I feel confident about, but it looks like it could be. Uh, and do we think Will Brody will be best 22 for Frio in 2024, or will he become the new Jed Anderson of the AFL? I reckon they'll give him a shot. Um, we'll see on Will Brody. It's so strange. That was so strange. Um, BBL Hub Masters. Oh, that's a damn. Uh, Pack and Sand. How do the coaching changes? Hardwick Uze impact on their new team's midfield mix and scoring capacity? So, it's a good question. Um, Hardwick, I don't think, I think the midfield is the one area you probably wouldn't change. You're probably just going to roll in there with uh, Took, Raul, Anderson, um, Flanders, whether, you know, you roll Humphrey through there more. I don't. I find it hard to believe you do, but I, I, I'd suspect he's going to be strong on the pressure forwards. Um, they, his team's always had that speed off the back line. I just don't see it with Gold Coast unless there's... A, a move I'm not seeing. Uh, maybe they get Jeremy Sharp to say and he changes role. I don't know. Uh, Uze, uh, yeah, Richmond's a, um, Richmond's in a strange position, man. They gotta, they gotta rebuild almost, don't they? Despite trading for players last year. I'd, mm, interesting, interesting. Uh, and where to here for Geelong and West Coast midfields? Yeah, I, th- this is why you want Harley Reid to go to West Coast because I think it makes the picture a lot clearer for that midfield. Uh, but Geelong, I, I couldn't tell you. I really have a hard time telling you. And, and it's a struggle to break it down for ranking season. It's, it's like they're trying, they're, you know, obviously they brought in uh, Bruin and pick seven last year. So it's like they're going to rebuild through these guys. Um, we'll see with them. We'll see. It's a good question. I sort of Geelong have got one foot in each camp almost, but I guess they don't want to complete. They just want to rebuild without completely bodying them out like a, a Sydney Swans. Jordox, any unexpected mids you might think pick up DPP? Sure, we are losing a heap of forwards. But that seems to happen every year and we pick up someone we don't know. Yeah, I think there's probably going to be a couple. But, you know, that's that's a question for another show. Sorry to be... Uh... <laughs> no, no, not give you too much there. Um, Champion Data probably listening to this show just thinking I'm a fucking idiot anyway, so they can tell you. Uh, Toby B. Rahman, Setterfield 2024. Oh, it's a good question. Yeah, Paddy Dow. Paddy Dow. Uh, Finn McRae, Billy Dowling debut. Oh, uh, maybe. Uh, Jab's really looking forward to this one. Thought it could be helpful to know which teams are running tight four or five man mid mixes compared to the teams that share the mid time and points around. Yeah, so, I, you know, again, looking at Collingwood, I don't know that just because one thing happens one year means it doesn't the next year. So, um, Hawthorne is a team I think could expand it. Um, but despite being tight, Port, I would have thought, stays tight. So there was a few teams that were pretty tight. Obviously, we sort of went through the numbers already, so I don't want to go crazy on that. Uh, again, Melbourne, probably tight again. If they've got star mids in there, like, and a lot of it's probably going to come down to health, right? Like if Luke Shuey was fit, he'd start in the midfield every single match, but you know he got injured, so he didn't. Um, Dangerfield... Real adventures. Does Ward get a midfield spot for the Hawks next time, next season, alongside Day, Warple, Nash, and you, you'd expect him to, but uh, that doesn't mean he does. Nothington, should you award priority picks to the mates who are the North Melbourne of your draft league? No, give them nothing except shit. Uh, and Coca, the amount of players that will lose forward status next year scares me most. But we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat, and this is why you roll into your draft with a nice strategy. You take a forward at the top, probably a 
a solid guy as your second, and then just pepper those late round forwards and just pepper, pepper, and pick guys who you think a breakout makes sense for rather than, like, say, um, someone you know is going to play as a uh, as a small forward. Or, like, if you look at... Um, like Jay Gresham is probably a classic one. Even when he gets the role, he doesn't particularly score well. So if he lost the role, he'd score even worse. So don't choose him. Um, choose someone with all the upside. And it doesn't mean it's going to happen straight away. We look at Flanders last year. We loved him as a dart throw. And it didn't happen until the second half of the year, and he just absolutely balled out. So I think you just got to tell yourself a story. It only has to matter to you. It doesn't have to matter to anyone else. But rather than say... Um, yeah, just just make sure it has all the upside. Um, and sometimes that only comes through an injury or, um, you know, a coach who's under pressure. So, like, I mean, maybe Longmuir's under pressure next year. But I think Adelaide's a good team to target. I don't think Brisbane need to change much. I don't think Carlton need to change much. Collingwood, um, they'll probably, they probably will bring a little change through necessity, but um, whether that makes someone... Relevant or not, Essendon is, again, they've got kids coming through who look the goods, Fremantle, um, a team maybe uh, in peril. Uh, so they're certainly... I mean, fuck, two years ago they had the world at their feet, so I don't know. Um, I could certainly see Brody back in there, uh, and they had a couple of good, you know, high-ish picks. So Johnson, I know his win rate was super low, so maybe that counts against him, but Erasmus um, was someone maybe they thought would take a little bit of time. Gold Coast would be tight. Geelong, uh, should be options. GWS, I don't think there's too, too many options. Again, pretty tight. Hawthorne, everyone likes Ward. Just take him late. Just that's that's fine. Melbourne, there could be some options at Melbourne, but um, uh, again, I'd expect it to be tight. North, definitely options. Love Wardlaw. Uh, Port again, probably tight. Richmond, there'll pr- maybe be options. New coach. Um, Pick someone with DPP, St Kilda, again, I like Paddy Dow. makes a lot of sense. Sydney, strange team. Um, they do sort of switch it up pretty rapidly. Western Bulldogs, again, yeah, there's probably some options there. Pick someone you like, tell yourself the correct story. So um, that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. That'll wrap it up. That was a long show for what I thought it would be. <laughs> I didn't know how long it would be, but... Under an hour of me rambling on, going, um, 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 like I was winning a Copeland trophy. Anyway, we'll see you next time, people.